0: CHAPTER FIFTY OF GOD'S FOOL BY MARTIN MARTINS THIS LIBERVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN RECORDING BY ANNA SIMON ELIAS'S GUILT When Elias came to himself after a few moments of dreamy dozing he could not have told exactly how long he slowly remembered that something was wrong then, suddenly, in a flash that he'd been struck he had never been struck in his life before he sprang to his feet and leapt forward straight in front of him in the direction whence the blow had seemed to come his heart and brain were aflame with a white fury he knew nothing thought of nothing remembered nothing but this one fact of the insult the injustice the wound struck he towered high in all the maimed majesty of his powerful manhood and dashed out his great arm to return the blow first in the dark of his blindness and his passion he flung up against one of the candlesticks, which he bore crashing to the ground. But then, turning swiftly, he aimed straight at the man seated on the other side of the mantelpiece, at his enemy, at Hendrik, and struck again and again, fierce Herculean blows, not pausing to think of what he was doing, not able to realise it, had he done so, driven onward only by the unreasoning animal instinct of reprisal and the manlier thirst for revenge. His opponent, to his astonishment, even in that whirlwind of madness, offered no resistance, but sank away from under his hands to the ground. Then Elias paused and drew back. And a moment later he sank down on his knees and tried to raise the other's head, and broke into loud cries for assistance. John, in the kitchen, flung down his cards, smitten by sudden reproach, and came running upstairs as fast as he could. He threw open the door and rushed forward alarmed, indeed, by the sight which met his eyes. The candles of the fallen candlestick had alighted on a sheepskin hearthrug and set it ablaze, and by the glaring flames which danced gaily aloft, Hendrik's figure lay clearly illumined, stretched across the floor, with a dark stain beside it on the carpet. By his brother's side knelt Elias, his face distorted, his fair curls thrown back, his great eyes glaring into space. Ignoring the flames for the first moment, John ran to raise the wounded merchant who had fallen on his face. He turned the body to the light of the burning rug, but hardly had he done so when he again let it fall, and also broke into loud cries for help as he ran back to the door. In another instant the whole house was in commotion, and a few minutes sufficed to convey the tidings to the neighboring colleges. The conflagration was soon extinguished but the dead man was left lying where he had fallen, none daring to touch him till the police had arrived. The coachman, coming back in amazement and distress to look for the master he had lost, was met by a crowd with the news. Hubert was sent for, and he, fortunately, brought Johanna with him. No one as yet had thought of carrying the news to Cornelia. Besides, that would have been useless. Cornelia had gone with a friend to the opera. Elias sat in a corner of the room. No one dared to approach him or attempted to address him. After the first moment of excitement he had sunk into apathy. His eyes were closed, and he neither moved nor spoke. Doctors came, and policemen, and hurried in and out. The policemen's faces were sternly elated with the consciousness of a stroke of first-class business on hand. The medical men looked more frightened, but also grave and methodical, impressed in their way by the same conviction of business to be done when hubert came he first said he did not want to see the the body was it necessary and then he asked for elias johanna had gone up straight to her meinheer. she found him sitting still silent in the chair into which he had sunk without knowing it a policeman was standing at the farther end of the larger room by the hearth and that ugly stain on the carpet the parrot disturbed by the unwanted bustle, was trimming himself in his cage and screaming, "'Wake up! Wake up!' a thousand times over. On the floor lay a scattered heap of spillikins. Johanna went immediately towards Elias and took him by the hand and marched him in the direction of the door which communicated with his bedroom. The policeman turned a slow head. "'The is in there,' he said, and jerked his chin.' Johanna broke into an angry exclamation and led her charge to a spare room next her own there she put him to bed helping him to undress and to wash as usual elias did not speak and his nurse was glad it should be so only once he said sleepy and she sat watching him as his eyes fell too she crept away from his side shuddering as she went down the passage for thought of the body at the other end god forgive me she said to herself if he can. I shall never forgive myself.' In the middle of the night, Elias awoke. His brain was clear again, as fools' brains go. He sat up in bed and said, "'Murder!' Murder. He did not know much about death and killing, but he knew what murder was. Christ had been murdered. Murder was hating a man so utterly that you wanted him to stop seeing, hearing, walking, speaking, that you wanted him to stop being, in a word. And so you tried to prevent his being. You struck him till he could no longer be. And he who did this thing, who made another human being to lie silent like a stick or stone, was a murderer. It was the very worst thing a man could be. The wicked Jews had murdered Christ, and Elias had murdered his brother. Murder. The whole room was full of it room what did he know of rooms of limits of space he opened his horror-struck eyes wide and they saw as much or as little as before the immensity of darkness he put out his hand and felt that he was among unusual surroundings where was he in the place where god confines the wicked prison the grave hell the idea was all one to him he was in the darkness the soul-darkness he had never known thus till this hour. Heaven and earth were aflame with the cry of murder. It rose up in his heart and flooded his whole existence. It pressed back upon him and held him by the throat whenever he tried to shake it off. But he barely tried. His was a mind of few ideas, at the mercy of so merciless a tyrant as this. The wish to do away with, to silence, to annihilate. Elias had murdered his brother, as the Jews had murdered Christ. He dared not pray. He buried his face in the pillow and longed to be truly blind, that he might not see murder, truly deaf, that he might not hear murder. He dared not think of forgiveness. There could be no forgiveness for such crime as this. Sins, to him, had meant his childish petulances. He had never heard of anyone forgiving Christ's murderers everybody was still very angry with them, and yet it was a long time ago since Christ was killed. There could be no hope, no escape. There was nothing but this agony beyond tears, beyond pardon. Nothing but the consciousness, which must remain forever, of being one of the very few among the worst of men. And he remembered that he had thought he was almost as good as the Lord Christ." End of chapter 50